My name is David Grossman, and this is the Motion Martial Arts Podcast. Today, Dan and I sit down with longtime friend Jenny LaFaro. She is an active Ironman athlete, and she is also a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu who's roughly trained for about 10 years. She is currently the fight-to-win bantamweight women's champion. Hope you guys enjoy. Hey, so uh, this is David and Dan, and today we have Jenny LaFaro with us, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt, and if you kind of want to talk us through a little bit of your history with martial arts, and then also um, your history with doing Ironman competitions, which is one of the things we want to talk about with you today, is sort of the, uh, I guess, benefits of being a a dual sport athlete. Sure. Um, I started triathlons actually before I started Jiu-Jitsu, so I... Started racing when I was in college. Um, I was a rower in college and I had stopped after my freshman year for numerous reasons and I was needed something. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go crazy if I go back to school, I don't have a sport. And a fellow rowing coach of mine started triathlons and he's like, I had already been a swimmer and a runner in high school. Um, And he's like, just buy a crappy bike and like try this sprint triathlon. So. I trained, you know, I coached with him in the summer. He helped me a little bit. We trained at the end of the summer. I did my first sprint. So that was, it's 19. So it was like 13 years ago. And I think I placed like third in my age group. And I was like, so pumped. I think there was probably like three people who knows. I was 19 years old. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought it was awesome. It was great. I could like, once I got bored with swimming, I was like, sweet. Now I'm going to go on my bike. I get bored with that. And then I'm going to go run. So it's one, it's three different aspects to one sport. And I think it's a good, it's kind of how I live my life as you see too. Now I don't just do that. And I was like, all right, that kind of gets, I don't say boring, but the multidimensionalness of it was an appealing aspect. So then when I graduated from college, I started working at a gym um, and they had people rolling around on mats downstairs. And I like started my, like it was one of my first days. the hell are these people doing and in these silly like in the, you know I thought it was karate like bro I was like I don't yeah in, didn't get it but I always wanted yeah pajamas <laughs> I'd always wanted to wrestle I grew up with two older brothers and one totally beat the shit out of me all the time um and they were just like yeah it's jujitsu they're like it's like wrestling but there's submissions all this stuff and I rolled around the mat and that was it it was so that was about 10 years ago Um, And then throughout all of that, I was still continuously doing triathlons, but then it started jujitsu as well. So yeah, so probably both of them for about 10 years, tries for a tiny bit longer. Uh, So I guess for people that don't know everything that goes into a triathlon, so how much swimming do you do? How much biking do you do? And how much running do you do? And then there's like what you call a sprint, which is a shorter distance, right? right? And then so there's a full. There's, we'll say for all intents and purposes, there's four distances that are the most uh, common sprint, which is like a half mile swim, a 15 mile bike, and a 5K run. And it's always swim, bike, run. For safety purposes, they want the, the, the sport that you can most likely, you know, like you're stopping swimming, you're drowning, you're dying. Um, you're stopping biking, you're going to fall over and it's going to suck. You stop running, you just sit. Like, yeah. so, so it's always a swim, bike, run. Yeah. The sprints, 
that distance Olympic is twice that. So it's a mile swim, a 26 mile bike and a 10 K run. And then there's a half Ironman, which is 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike and a half marathon. <laughs> and then there's the Ironman, which is the 2.4 mile swim, the 112 mile bike and the full marathon, the 26.2. Which of the three would you say is the hardest for you? Um, the swim, the bike and run. I competitively do the worst in the swim. I'm like, I was a high school swimmer. I swim. Mm -hmm. I can like, I'm always like middle of the pack. I would say mentally the run is the hardest because for many reasons, I mean, it's at the end and you're just like, I want to be fucking done again. <laughs> and especially with the Ironman, um, when I did the Ironman, the last six miles, like anybody who's run a marathon, you're just like, it was just never ending. Yeah. Um, and the bike is definitely my strongest point. And you're on the bike the longest, which is so, that's nice. So it's physical amount of time you're on the bike for the longest point portion. All right, so to sort of change uh, topics real quick. So going back to jujitsu. So you compete in jujitsu too. You just won the fight to win title, right? I did, yeah. yeah so, so like, uh, I guess, what do you see, uh, I guess, with competing in jujitsu versus competing in Ironmans, but also what are some of your jujitsu accomplishments and competitions you've done and things along those lines. So I started competing in jujitsu pretty, pretty soon. I was a white belt and white belts matter and they count. <laughs> <laughs> Action. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I started competing real quick because I, I like to compete. I think yeah. it's a great way to push yourself and man, it's a really good way to see where there's holes yeah. In your game, you can get super used to competing against the same people all the time. And, you know, I know what Dave's going to do, so I can prevent that. But then, you know, yeah. you go to these tournaments. And That's a subject we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Yeah, what I think is yeah. always shocking about competition is you might have something you use in training all the time. And then you go to a competition, you're like, oh, this move actually is not a move. I'm good. <laughs> 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 and you're like, you're like oh. And I'm going to train against shitty people. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing, and then you're like, this move that I like. So, for example, for me, it's triangles. I very rarely catch triangles in training. And some of it is that I tend to, you, you know, uh, you and I are on the smaller side. Yeah. So you get triangle choke people that are bigger than you, you get stacked and then your neck ends up all messed up and your back ends up messed up. So then I started being like, well, omoplatas are better for me when I'm on the bottom because I get offline, they can't really stack me. But then I go into competitions and there are people around my same size. I've won more matches in competition by triangle choke. Than in omoplata. Than, than by omoplata. Than any other sub, and I'm like, dude, I'm I can like, remember the only time I've ever applauded <laughs> someone and submitted them, and it was at the old Maloki flow. It's that inconsistent. So for me, I'd be like, no. But yeah, like, like yeah. I, I triangle choke people in training, maybe like six times a year. But then in competition, I'm like, oh, triangle choke's my move. But then also to talk to the smaller versus larger, we're used to the constant default of being on the bottom and defending because 90% yeah. of the people we train with are bigger than us. Yeah. Yeah. And some people are cool about letting you move, but sometimes then it's not a real gauge and it gets hard. So yeah, my defense was like on point by, you know, blue purple, but I was pretty good about not getting tapped, but man, I couldn't tap anybody for shit <laughs> because I would never have the opportunity, you know? Yeah. 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 No, no, it becomes hard. It's definitely like, a, it doesn't get talked about enough, but it, you know, you kind of have to, 
as the smaller person, take your small victories, which is usually that your defense becomes really good. Dude, I didn't get tapped. Cool. Yeah, I get, got out. Yeah, cool. you, you get you get squirmy on the bottom, hard to control. You yeah. start to figure out some tricks for when you are on top. But yeah, the submissions are against bigger people. They come very rarely in comparison. And then you go with somebody your own size, like, oh wow, right? This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, 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 but, but yeah. So you know, there's a lot of that. Uh, but yeah, like competition. I feel like it kind of. You might think you know what your A game is in, when you're just training in the gym, but you really don't until you go compete. It's and like what the pressure does. Yeah. yeah. It's just completely different. Well, that's, that, that's huge, yeah. Well, it's, why it's one of the most applicable things about competition for something like self-defense is that it's like just puts you on the spot where it's suddenly it's like, right. what, what can you really make work when you're in an environment that is not... Your typical training environment when you're you know competing against people that are not your typical partners yeah. and so it really so brings much things of it to is, the surface it's too it's like perception and uh you know my training partner dave makes fun of me all the time yeah. especially i was going to a lot of tournaments when i was a white blue belt because there's just more tournaments there's more girls to fight and i would oh and, and it was in a genuine way i wasn't trying to like psych anybody out but i'd always like make friends with the other girls because <laughs> the, first off there wasn't it was a really, it still is a smaller community for girls, right? There's yeah, not yeah. as many of it. So it's cool to meet other girls that are into jujitsu. Yeah. Um, and he'd be like, Jenny, you're like such like, you're like totally mind fucking these girls. Cause you're like best friends with them. Let's change numbers. And you get on the mat and you try to choke the fuck out of them. And I'm like, well, that's it. I'm not, you know, you know, he still, he yells at me half time, like stop trying to make friends with them. Yeah. And then he's like, well, maybe it kind of helps. So you. for those of you who know, uh, she's talking about Dave Sulkin, who has been mentioned before on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I, I honestly think though, that comes back to being relaxed though. And that's a huge advantage. Like, uh, like I did, uh, like a, I did tap out cancer last October and it was not too long after I guess I had done the fight to win match. I just was like, somebody came up to me and like was talking trash. I was like, dude, it's, it's a benefit tournament. <laughs> and he was like talking trash about my match. And I was like, but I won the match. What are you talking about? I was like, this doesn't make any sense. But I, I noticed how much nervous everybody else in my bracket was. And I was like, oh, I'm relaxed. This is no big deal. And I just tore through everybody. It was no big deal, you know? And it's, people psych themselves out and that's why they have to get mad about who they're competing against and like be like, I can't be friends with them. And so it's like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, totally. You Who should cares? have a positive relationship yeah. with competition. Not If you're thinking about like, I hate this person, you're making competition a negative thing. And then that's what gives you anxiety. And that's what makes you gas sooner or gets you tense and nervous. And it's like, no, it's not a big deal. Like relax, make it no big deal. Hey, it's we're gonna cool. be we different. can train afterwards. It's going to be different for everybody though. You know, my teacher told yeah. me the same thing. He said, you know, like make friends after you compete. It's like, you know, when you show up there, not that you should be angry, yeah, yeah. certainly not nervous, but it's like, yeah, I, I definitely remembered sometimes I would go to tournaments that like start talking to people before and then you get out there and you're fighting with each other. <laughs> it, does, it didn't really lend itself to the right mentality as much as doing that afterward might, because you know, you do want to meet people at tournaments, you know, you yeah. do want to be friendly, but I feel like you should do it after, you know. And it's, it's interesting yeah. in the difference. So it's going back to the dual sport, yeah. the difference between racing and fighting. So for me, and it's once again, super genuine with a race, like ultimately I'm racing against the other people, but I'm really racing against myself. Yeah, like sure. it's my own time. And if some chick blows past me and she's just running fast me, 
I'm going to be like, good job. You <laughs> just did whatever better than I did. Yeah. And there's nothing. She's not like punching me in the face and running by. You know, it's she's not impeding me from running any faster. I'm impeding myself for yeah. whatever reason it was. So she's just faster. She did a better job, tra- whatever it was. So in that, I'm very genuinely like, good job. Like, sure. it sucks, maybe, but... Well, that's that's something really interesting to talk about, I guess, is the what makes combat sports different than other than other competitions. Right, be a great and person give you a really good position to talk about that. It is, and then yeah. but then when you're in a fight, and ultimately even like fight to win is great when yeah. we do these competitions where there's no points and it's really like who the judges. It's submission only. It's, yeah, okay. it's submission only, but it's really sometimes can be very arbitrary. Yeah, and more than sometimes. <laughs> and even, you know... Because they have to choose a winner after yeah, the time they runs do, out. And they do, and it gets yeah. like, what do you equate as more of a, an attack? Yeah, so it's like, if if there's no submission, how you de- how do you determine what was a, an authentic submission attempt because it didn't work sure. so then you have people that oh, yeah. game the system by throwing up these things that are like that's not even a real submission attempt there's not a white belt that would tap by that but it looks like they're being aggressive man that's just like point fighting yeah and so it becomes a point yeah. fighting thing to sure. a serious extent. then you end up with it's arbitrary but even in points like uh, I was watching there was a, a jiu-jitsu tournament a heavyweight thing in IBJJF thing, yeah and the refs were inconsistent sometimes they awarded points for the takedowns other times they didn't sometimes somebody would step out of bounds fleeing a takedown big penalty and two points to him and other times they didn't like I was watching uh, Lucas Barbosa versus uh, Cyborg yeah and uh, Lucas Barbosa got two quick takedowns was up for nothing and then Cyborg goes for a takedown and in my opinion the fleeing of the match just happened as a result of him trying to escape the takedown and they're like two points and a penalty and then the same thing happens later. I'm like, he's not actively trying to escape and go out of bounds. He's just defending the takedown. Right. And the ref goes, two points two, and second penalty, and then Barbosa loses. And I'm like, what? Well, this becomes an issue, <laughs> refing. And, you know, I, I really, fight to win is a, a great, it's a great uh I think it's the association. Best I period. think it's a great tournament. Yeah, yeah, Seth to has been awesome, the yeah. owner and runner of it, and he has even acknowledged that I've gotten some shitty ass calls, and not trying to be a poor sport, but even yeah, yeah. this past fight that I won, he I got right off stage, he gave me a big hug, and he's like, I am so happy you finally got, because I won my decision, but he's like, I'm so happy you finally got a call in your favor, because man, you've gotten some shitty ass calls, and this like, so that was nice that he even acknowledges it, he yeah. keeps sending me back to do it, because he's like, you keep getting shit ass, like, this isn't, yeah. who, yeah, so it can, that can be very discouraging, whereas, you cross the finish line and somebody's just faster than you, they won. Sure. They're just faster than you. There's nothing that like, yeah. you know, yeah, there's nothing that, yeah, maybe, who, whatever. Um, that, that was something that was big for me back when I was competing. A really positive development in my mentality is that I changed my the way that I reacted to bad breaks. Like yeah. that. Because the, the fact is, no matter what, whenever we're going to make a sport out of some kind of fighting, some kind of combat. The rules are never going to be perfect. Right. There's always going to be weird gray areas that you have to address somehow. And you're always going to have bad breaks, you know, times. And I guess that was another thing that helped is being honest with yourself. From my perspective anyway, is like a lot of times I got points that I shouldn't have gotten to. Yeah. It's like, it's just a part of the game. And it's just something you got to embrace as a part yep. of the game is that sometimes the calls don't go your way. And that's yep. just, you just got to, be good enough that you know that you get in the right position to get 
to score those points often enough that even when it doesn't work out, you know, that you'll come out well, on top. And I feel like, though, the thing is with the jiu-jitsu competition, more so than I think any other combat sports competition, is it seems like there's always confusion of the rules by the referees. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's just always, like, I remember there was one tournament I did one time where I had, like, uh, I was setting up a crucifix. I was on top of the turtle. I had the arm isolated with my legs, the other arm isolated with my arms. I'm starting to attack the neck with a choke, yeah. and we're out of bounds, and there's nobody near us, and I'm actively doing it. The ref's like, stop, stop, stop. Reset in the position in the middle. But I'm like, well, now you just took away, like, my element of surprise, and now it's going to be hard to finish this. And then I, I ended up winning that match. I had a match later with a different referee, and I had set up an omoplata and used it to sweep somebody, and I'm on top, and we go out of bounds, and the ref's like, restart standing up. You sure. get two points. I'm like, hmm. well, one referee is resetting me with the position. The other referee is yeah. giving me points and restarting us standing up, but I just lost the position of top of sign. Now. <laughs> right. I'd rather that back. Yeah. Give me, like, I don't need the two points. Yeah, yeah. Give me my position yeah, yeah. back. Give me, yeah. give me the top of sign now. Yeah. Keep the points. But now I have to fight for all that all over again. And it just seems like that that stuff, if you watch the tournaments enough, it, it's all over the place. I was, had a, an online conversation briefly with a guy named Matt Kaplan, who's a well-known jiu-jitsu guy in New York City. He has a school. Comes kind of through the Henzo Gracie lineage. And we, he was talking about the Kasai thing that happened a couple weeks ago, the eight-man tournament. He was like, sometimes they were giving points for a submission attempt, and then other times they weren't. But how do you know it's legit? And I was like, that's what I'm asking. Well, Naga, how do you know it's used legit? To, Naga used to do the same thing, and yeah. I don't know if they do it anymore. I don't know if they do. Either. But they used to do, yeah, submission attempts. Like, yeah. what the hell would you? Right? If I you just I put my arm around your neck, that's a submission <laughs> yeah. attempt. Yeah, sure. it's, it's too it's too open ended, well, and there's there's every. Every like tournament has different rules. Yeah. There's not dedicated referees. Yeah, it sounds so it's just, it's, just, it's a mess. You know? I, I get the impression that jiu-jitsu seems like a little bit better organized than point karate, which is you know what I have experience and I could be wrong. Of course, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, I think it's an issue that comes up when it's all amateur. You know that you get guys. Yeah. The, the the officials Dude, there. These refs are these refs are getting paid sure. in pizza. Sure. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 Some leagues that I've tried, that I've been, that I've competed in, that have tried to have like some kind of um, like certification process for referees, which I guess helps, but still, like at the end of the day, you just the day of the competition, whoever's there, that's gonna that can yeah. volunteer and help out. They really have a pulse. You had some sort of. You so it's I like you just always are gonna run into those issues that it's like are they really I, until there's more money in the game and yeah. then you can have people that are professional you know referees that are doing that stuff yeah i mean even then that maybe it's the only thing i could think of is is that you almost use uh refereeing and other combat sports as a sort of breeding ground to become an mma referee yeah that that's the only thing kind of would make people want to get interested in it yeah like the same way that where it's like oh if i want to referee pro football i might have to work through like peewee football, high school, then college, and then I'm like. But they even get paid because, like, think yeah. about it too. You don't want to be that. Typically, they're local, and you know, you're like yeah. that refs do. You yeah. don't want to be the douche that, like, and then half the people hate you or in there. Like, shit, cool. You know, like nobody wants to be that guy. Like yeah. for for pizza, you know. Yeah. So, you want to pay me a thousand bucks? Sure, maybe. I, yeah. I don't care. You know. Let's uh, let's go back to so. How does doing Ironmans and triathlons benefit your jiu-jitsu, and how does your jiu-jitsu benefit 
your triathlons. Yeah. Like, I think, and I could be wrong, for me, I'm like, well, the triathlons obviously are going to benefit your jiu-jitsu because you're going to be mentally tough as anything because if you can do that, a six-minute, eight-minute match is no big deal, ten-minute match is no big deal, and then you're, you know your gas tank is pretty much endless, which is the things that spring to mind instantly, but you would know better than, than me. Yeah, those are definitely. Yeah. Um, it's different, as you know. Six, eight minutes doesn't sound like a long time, but man. That, yeah, it can be it, a long time. Like, you're like, I'm getting tired. <laughs> you know, your grip strength, anything, you're breathing, but... Cardiovascularly, yes, I. That is one of my strong points in jujitsu, and I do the longer. I tend to do the longer distances. I do more half Ironmans now, so that yeah. like, so long. It's still like over about five hours out of your day. It's it's a long time to be moving at a high heart rate. Um, so yes, that is my gas tank. Um, stays from like I've done some of these submission only tournaments that I've gone like fifty two minutes yeah. with for like a fight. The other girl, she didn't gas out though either. So <laughs> she was an MMA fighter. They have like similar. She is, but yeah. but I've definitely tired out people, and that's where I've had some success. Um, two, mentally, I feel like I can stay more alert for longer periods of time if I'm doing really long rolls because I'm used to being like, yeah, you know, when you're swimming, biking, running, all three of them, you have to be, like you have to be paying attention. You can't just like zone. I mean, sometimes you do start zoning out, especially on the bike and the run. Um, and this one actually for, for all intents and purposes, <laughs> you do start zoning out, but it gets unsafe even too. Yeah. So and with jujitsu, when you're getting tired and stuff, like that's where you, that's where you get caught yeah. in bad positions. I feel like, um, having that gas tank can mentally keep me sustained for longer as well. Just being engaged. So how would you compare though? Like, I guess my favorite triathlons, like very endurance based, of course. And then submission grappling being, you know, a competition with another athlete. Um, it's like, very like, different. It really is. It's, it's, there's, I imagine the mentality has yeah. to be very, very different. The mental approach to those competitions has to be completely different. I'm really, um, and I, and I see this in my jujitsu as well. I don't, in lack of better words, like blow my load. Like I yeah. like start off like slower. I like take my time. Um, same with races. I don't like, I don't sprint in the beginning and then like, I'm totally gassed by the end. I'm really good at staying at a consistent pace, which in some tournaments really gets me in trouble because yeah. you have six minutes to do something. And then sure. at the end of the match, once a person's tired in the last like minute, I'm like rare to go. I'm like, that's and, what killed me in my last bet to win match. I was right. like, I was like, I'm going to start slow, let him gas himself. I was like, he's much younger than me. He's like 13 years younger. So I'm like, I'm like, and I know I've competed with him before. I was like, I know he's strong and explosive and fast. I'm like, let him burn through it a little bit. And then I'll start to turn it on. And by the time I was ready to turn it on, I was like, he's tired. But he just hugged onto my leg. And I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, now I waited too long. And I was like, I'm in great shape. I was in the best shape I've ever been in for a tournament. I'm like, I didn't use anything. I didn't even break a sweat because yeah. I just let myself n never get going with the aggression. And I've done that too many times. So now even my last fight, the girl was very similar. She, you could, she was like, came at me, um, strong, but you could tell, I think she uses her strength to yeah. muscle through things. And man, she, she blew her load and she was tired, but <laughs> before I didn't want to wait until that, like, her energy being so uptight actually calmed me down, yeah. but I knew I still had to move and I still had to make submission attempts because this is where I've gotten really bad calls. Numerous times is where, you know, I wasn't active enough, whatever yeah. it was. So I had in my mind, I'm gonna still stay calm, but I'm gonna move. 
Um, and it ended up working out well for me, but, uh, I still, it was interesting. I still didn't have to be, I didn't have to match that craziness, that crazy intensity level. I could still be mobile, be attacking, but I stayed kind. Yeah. I was, I was do I was trusting jujitsu and leverage <laughs> and things like that. Would you say that in the submission only competitions, the aggressive competitors tend to have an advantage if it goes to a decision? No, I think the opposite. Say the opposite. I, that's why I like them because especially yeah. if there's no time limit. To, as we're saying, like yeah. six minutes is tough with that because yeah. mm -hmm. it is even though it's submission only, it's still a time limit, and then you give it to your drudges, which things can be arbitrary. And then, yeah. but with stuff like um, good fights, yeah. which are great tournaments, and if you're in the final there, it's. So whenever somebody submits yeah. each other, and that's where I've had 30, 40, as I said, 50 plus minute matches, and that's where it gets sinking exhausting. Okay, so those are the competitions where they literally just let yes. you keep going until that. Yeah. that's cool. Which is super <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, and those yeah. really do lend itself to the type of athlete I, I am more. Sure. So that's why I like them. They're just... Plays the long game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but they're just not common, and... Um, yeah, there's, you know, yeah. Usually. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I had a good fight match when I was in Bloomingdale, but I think it was 30 minutes. Right. But I, I think they changed the rules, right? Now now it's it's only the finals match, right? That's only the finals, match. yeah, because the tournament would take forever. Yeah, yeah, Think yeah. about that, like, you couldn't <laughs> get through anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. matches, routinely have matches, like, earlier matches that would be an hour, you know? Is yeah. it more common at the higher levels? I imagine, like, really... Yes and no. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, I don't know, in, in Jenny's ranked higher than me, but I feel like each belt as you climb, I feel like the gap between skill levels are more apparent. Mm -hmm. So like, like if somebody were to put on an event where there was only like five matches. Like, I feel like, I feel out. like, like white belts, there's, there's skill level difference between white belt. But I think that like, I run into some purple belts where I'm like, Oh man, this is nothing. And then I run to other purple belts. I'm like, wait, we're both purple belts. Yeah. And I feel like I ran into that more as a purple okay. belt than I did as a blue or a white belt. I think purple belt though is because you got a lot of purple belts who are like, you really should be a brown belt. Like you're, it, it's like teeter tottering. Yeah. Um, I think per personally for me, I've seen that with blue and purple. Once I've gotten to brown, I feel like it's evened itself out more. And All right. Yeah. So you yeah, I think it, it's like a bell curve. Um, <laughs> But then again, you have black belts like Noah. So uh, for those of you that don't know Jenny's an instructor, Noah Spear, I mean, I, I honestly, I think that of any person I've ever rolled with, I don't think I've ever felt anything that amounts to the amount of pressure that man can generate. And yeah. And he's not huge. No. He's big, but he's not huge. He uses, <laughs> he, you know, he teaches in a way that I, I, uh, I can really connect with as, as a job. I'm a personal trainer and mm -hmm. fitness instructor and he does a lot of thing off of functional movement, your body's like stacking things, pro everything is moving properly and not teaching you like, Hey, this is this move. Mm -hmm. He explains it. Um, I can be more concise with my, <laughs> he explains it and very much why he's asking you to do it that way. And then in muscularly and structurally in your body, you know, why putting your hand here versus here, why he's asking you to do it that way, you know, instead of just being like, put it here. But if you can understand conceptually, okay, then you can use that whole idea. If you get that angle and yeah. you know, from that angle, yeah. you can always keep that. You can use that throughout your whole game. It doesn't have to be with just that one move. Yeah, no. But if you were just to tell me, put your hand here, put your foot here. And that's what, that's the move. Okay, 
that's cool when I'm just in that position, which will yeah. probably never come up ever again, right? You know. Well, we had, we had a whole podcast, really good conversation we had with your friend Tony about yeah, yeah, about yeah. that subject, about conceptual learning and how concepts take you so much farther than individual techniques. Well, yeah. Noah Noah's a guy who you can just tell, like, so he's an artist as well. His yes. artist his his art has an influence on how he teaches jujitsu. For, for sure it's very very like i take when i've taken a few classes with them i'm like it's like there's a few of the like og black belts from philly like i don't know if you've ever met t i don't know he's an amazing artist too and yeah. he's amazing there's that that whole group that started with max size to balance there's yeah. there's a good amount of them or have that same they're artists and jujitsu and that same conceptual kind of t tim yeah. carpenter same idea yeah i've, I've never i've, I've I actually did. A, I've done a class with Tim before, and I've been in the room with him. I've never trained with him. He's he's but, he's the most similar to Noah to train with that I've trained with somebody. But Noah's just on this like other realm in my mind. Like I'll be rolling with him, and I'm like, I'm, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't. This isn't jujitsu <laughs> anymore. I don't know what this is. <laughs> I'm just like fending for my life. Of like, he just consumes well, yeah. you in a really. Unbelievable Noah life. Spear and Josh Hanger are the only two people I've ever, and, and Josh Hanger's one of the best guys in the world in competitive jiu-jitsu right now. I don't know if you know who Josh is. I don't Hanger. know. Yeah, he's from Atos. He's okay. been ADCC this year, three-time no-gi world champion. Uh, he's a little bit of an anomaly in competitive jiu-jitsu because he's 37 years old. Yeah. And he's winning in adult divisions, which right. doesn't happen too much. No, no, you're usually at Masters yeah, at yeah. that yeah. point, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, I, I, I guess it was... February, we talked to him because he came to Milwaukee to do a seminar. He's probably around Noah's weight, like maybe 200 pounds. Yeah. Both of them. I was like, this makes no sense. Like, and I've, Bernardo Faria, I've felt before, tons of pressure, but not Noah and Josh Hanger. It's like nothing I've ever felt in my entire life. Like, I remember I, I elevated Noah at one point with like butterfly hooks and he like framed my neck and just like leaned all the weight. And I was like, I think my head is going to just get chopped off. Yeah, I wanted to tap from like a neon belly. And I was like, I refuse to tap from a neon belly, but I'm going to shit my pants. Like, <laughs> this is like, but in, in the sense too, he is a very, it's a slow consuming role that he does. And he's been my, you know, he's been my instructor most of the time. I actually lived down in Florida for about two years and I trained under Hilly and Gracie. Um, which was a very different experience and it was great. And he, I actually got my purple belt from him. Um, but there was a, it was a very different way yeah. of teaching. His was more like hand here, you know, foot here. Yeah. He would, it would be boops and bops. So he spoke English, but a lot of it, they would be speaking Portuguese and there was lots of boops and bops. And I had my bop, <laughs> it was one foot, my boop was a hand. And you put it all together, boop, boop, bop, we're done. And that's, <laughs> I was like, okay, I missed the second boop and the eighth bop. I don't know what I'm doing. But it was great. But it was, and it was great to actually train and learn from two very different styles. And it's all jujitsu. It's all the same, and it's definitely helped me in my game. And that's why I go other places too to train. Yeah, sure. Um, consistently. Well, what? I find it kind of interesting. We're talking about with, you know, um, Noah Spear being an artist, saying, and other people you're saying yeah. too. They're also artists, and how that affects their martial arts. Last episode we did was about creativity in the martial arts, and it's like I've always found interesting about like people that are creative in their approach, and I feel like they're generally the ones that are. Um, the most influential 
people in the martial arts world are the ones that are kind of going out there and doing something that's really unique, that's their own thing, right. their own approach. And Because um, as you say, it's not as linear. Say, you know? It's not like yeah. martial arts in general, in comparison to, to like triathlons. Sure. You, you meet a triathlete versus jiu-jitsu. It's like, oh my God. It's really interesting, <laughs> actually, for me. Because I actually, so this past three weeks, I had my fight to win, and then I did a triathlon the next week, and then I just came back from doing a half marathon, but was actually associated with Lululemon, so I teach yoga, and I'm a Lululemon ambassador, so they flew me out to Vancouver, which was awesome to do that run. So the three, but like from <laughs> jiu-jitsu to triathlete to yogis, it's, it's, it's so different. That's I, quite a spectrum. It, I love it, because I, I love it, and that's one major reason why I do both of them because I've never stopped and I'm, and I don't, you know, I do jujitsu three times a week consistently. I don't do it five times a week, seven times a week. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do train for my tries. Uh, you know, I bike probably like twice a week, run twice a week, swim once a week. Careful um, not to overdo it. Exactly. Injury, so it's like, yeah, yeah, because I see yeah. some of these people, especially yeah. with triathletes, man, super type A, like, I need to go on this like, five-hour bike ride. I need to go. If I don't get in, I'm like, you need to, like, calm down. You need to do. Have you ever experienced any major injuries? Because so, yes. I started when I was training for my Ironman. Um, this was 2012, so, like, seven years ago. It's actually what got me into yoga because I was having a lot of hip and knee issues because you're putting in a lot of miles a lot of pounding on your body. It's hard. I didn't even train for my Ironman um, in the typical way in the sense, and you still see it. I think people are getting a little bit more off the sense of just like lots of miles. You're, you know, okay, if you're riding, you know, they're doing century mile rides, so 100 mile bike rides, you're running 20, 22 miles. Like, I don't think I ran more than 15 miles. And just mentally was like, okay, I know I can do it. Yeah. Um, because when you're running that long and stuff, eventually a lot of people end up getting hurt before they even get to the race. Yeah, sure. Because yeah. it's way too much and you're breaking down all these muscles instead of building them and you're not doing anything to build them back up. You ask any, not any, most triathletes, if they do any strength training or cross training, no. Yeah. Barely even want to do yoga, barely want to get any mobility. So you're having this really small range of motion where you're just riding your bike, running, swimming, and that's it. Yeah. And they end up getting... Honestly, I see more triathletes are more fucked up than I do see guys in jiu-jitsu. At least jiu-jitsu sure. are moving, you I, know, our limbs. I can imagine those endurance-based sports being that way very yeah. much. That I mean, it's just so much wear yeah, on the body. It's yeah. really, and to get them out of that mindset, because I work, I train triathletes mm -hmm. as well, and my own self, um, to get out of the mindset of like, you don't have to mm -hmm. do run 26 miles before. It really... It gets to be such a mental game by the end. It's like just taking one step, one breath. Like your body can get there. Sure. It's just you mentally getting there. And you don't really know until you do it. And I understand why people need to do those longer ones to mentally prepare themselves. Yeah. But physically, they end up fucking themselves up. I, something that me and Dave have talked about before. But, you know, it's also when you're young, you feel like you're going to live forever. Yeah. That's why I feel, yeah. For me specifically, I think a lot of other people too, they kind of took experiencing some major injuries for me to... Be, put a little bit more thought into my approach with my training instead yeah, of just and being, being like train longevity. as hard as you can as yeah. often as you can was definitely the way that I approached it when I was younger but 
two surgeries later, just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I got, I need, my body needs to work for the next 50 years to like make money doing this. So I need to be a little bit more. And you enjoy it and you want to, oh, sure, yeah, yeah. so the same with the physical and the mental, I was having, I know never knock on wood, there's like nothing crazy. I was having a lot of hip and knee pain, um, totally due to muscular imbalances. You know, I was going forward. All I did was forward motion all day. No side to side, no backward motion. So all of those, uh, yeah, muscles were just super undeveloped. I started doing yoga. That helped a ton, even just mobility wise. I was still pretty flexible, but just because of that doesn't mean there were still other places that were really tight. Yeah. I was kind of compensating. I and think yoga is a part of your training. Yeah, I do yoga because I teach it sure. as well, but I do yoga basically every day. That is the okay. one thing I do almost because I teach, oh, I guess five days a week. Okay. So, and that has been unbelievably helpful. Do you have a specific approach to it for kind of like, I guess, athletes to maintain their health or is it just general? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's an all, most of my clients are all levels. It's all functional movement that you're just put in a flowing way. And that's why it's so good for people, you know, I, I like incessantly, people with jujitsu too. They're like, I want to do you. Like, just come, just come to fucking <laughs> I can't, you know, yeah. yes, it will help your jujitsu 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, um, any mobility in a mindful way is going to help you. And that's what yoga is. You kind of get into this weird, I do like more alignment based things. So I'm not asking to do all these like crazy binds and shit like that. It's about opening, stacking, doing things right. So where I was about to ask, and and obviously I'm not in the yoga world, but one of the things that I've consistently had a problem with when I go to somebody for a yoga class is that I'm like, the instructor is not, in my opinion, active enough in each individual student. They like talk, even when it's a beginner's class, as if I know what's supposed to be going on. That's one problem that I've had in my personal experience. The other thing is that I have felt that it's trending towards competitive flexibility. And you would know better than me. Dude, I agree with you 100%. And I, that is not the class I teach. And some people, I'm like, that's, that's great. That's like, that you do you. But sure. I will like going back to the way that Noah teaches when he asks us to do something and tells us why. That's exactly what I will do in class. Yeah. Be like... You know, you want your knee over your ankle and why I'm asking you to do that. What are the benefits? What muscles you should feel engaging? But yeah, I'm not going to be like, go do a headstand. (laughs) Who the fuck is that going to help? Nobody. But for you to do a lunge properly and a squat and a plank and all these things functionally, right? You don't even necessarily have to ever pick up a weight in your life to be able to build up all these muscles, you know, around our issue areas, which typically are connective areas like our knees and our hips and anywhere joints. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. That is, it's like, oh, she's so good at yoga. And I'm like, no man, just because she like is hyper mobile and can do a back bend, sure. but she can't even well, fucking lunge this is, at all. This is something that I've been talking a lot with Alberto, uh, who's my instructor for people that don't know, um, is what happens a lot in jujitsu. And I think it happens a lot in yoga and any competitive thing is people get so focused on what their teacher or their leader or mentor can do, not what they can do for them. So they're enamored with this person who was like, oh my God, they do it at such a high level. But then like, if you go and try and get an explanation from them, they can't guide you to doing it even okay. Right. And then you have people that they're like, well, I can't do great, but I can tell you why you need to do it this way. And if you trust me to do it this way, you're going to see the best results. And that's the difference between 
a teacher and sometimes a performance athlete. Correct. Right? And, yeah, and sometimes you know, people don't really appreciate the teaching as its yeah. own skill. Yeah. Oh my god, and it's huge. Yeah. I don't care that like if my instructor has, you know, a world title, whatever, but if he can convey information <laughs> exactly. and explain it to me yeah. right awesome, I'd rather take that than have like yes, some dude has all these medals, but like he can't might be a yeah. good training partner, but not, <laughs> yeah, not yeah, a good yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. And that's another, and this is a form that in some places I teach as they actually tell me I have to shy away from it, but I like to demonstrate a lot as well because not everybody is a verbal yeah. learner, right? And a lot sure. of people are visual, especially when you're uncomfortable and things are hard and you're yeah. like zoned out and Jenny is talking really fast and trying to get in you know, as much information as possible because I want to tell you why and I want to all this stuff, go, whatever. And I can understand it gets overwhelming. So I visually show them as well. Sure. And it's very helpful when a lot of people in classes, you know, come to me after class and like, thank you so much. A lot of instructors don't. And I can totally understand why people don't demo. There's actually one of the places I work. They really tell me to shy away from it because they want the student to engage um, verbally, like listening to the active listener. They want to help build up that skill, which I totally get, but let's be real. It creates, it, it makes it a lot more frustrating yeah. for the students mm -hmm. and for the instructor. Cause then I'm going around cause everybody, it's like a disaster because half the people have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. It just becomes a lot more problematic. So I think for the fluidity and safety, especially safety of the class demoing, helps a lot and physical adjustments. So I go over and we'll just physically adjust yeah. people and touch people. And, um, that I really enjoy as well. Cause it's, you can connect with the person just like we do in jujitsu, right? Yeah. Like, um, it's very, in a very similar sense and people really respond 99% of the time very well to it. So, so we've talked a little bit about flexibility in the past, well, the, your opinion on it, that, and I think Dave and I both agree that flexibility in martial arts, I think, is often overemphasized. It's looked at, and I come from striking background, of course, different than grappling, yeah. but, you know, there's, even my style of karate is very kick-heavy, it's Korean style, so we do a lot of head kicks, so there is a need for a certain amount of flexibility. But often people seem to think that like a lack of flexibility is really what's holding their technique back and they don't take into account that it's also the strength aspect. But I think that it's even something that can open you up, make you more susceptible to injury rather than less susceptible. That's my experience as someone who's very naturally flexible. I did develop my flexibility, but I was also born with a lot of it. But I've also kind of come to the conclusion over years of doing this stuff that's like my joints are kind of loose. And it's like and suddenly it was like a light bulb going off my head like oh yeah that's why I'm so flexible because I have loose joints and that means that they can come out a little bit easier yeah but would you say that's I agree with you a hundred percent I think as we were talking about earlier like when I was putting my own butt in my yeah. face and it you end up compensating for a lot of things and not doing things right because you can kind of get out of stuff mm -hmm. um you put yourself in really dangerous positions and too and I hear that I, it's really annoying. People are like, oh, you, you're just good at jujitsu because you're really flexible. <laughs> I'm like, no, man, because I've been doing it almost 10 years. And like, I really try to listen to do things right. And yes, my flexibility does help with certain things, getting out of it if I'm in a precarious position or if I'm like, you know. If I help beginners, especially a lot of the time, like you, if you're naturally flexible, you can, you'll, the earlier parts of your training will often, you know, you'll make a lot of progress quickly. But you'll hit a right. wall. You hit a wall like everybody. You else. do exactly. Yeah. 
but you get in the higher levels and you realize that anybody can do any move. I don't care your lack of, you just, you might, it might look a little bit different, but if you're doing it right, you, you can figure it out. Okay. Yeah. You might be not be doing rubber guard or something <laughs> like these crazy convoluted things where flexibility is necessary. Yeah. But personally, I shy away from that stuff. I don't, I don't want to have to rely on that because typically when you're putting yourself in these weird ranges of motion, mm-hmm. you don't have strength there and you're going to get hurt. Um, I, I definitely agree. So that's why I think when people think of things like yoga and that's adding that into practice, they just yeah. want it flexible. It's more just people are just tight in general. They just don't go through ranges of motion. So it's not even like, once again, I'm not asking you to do these crazy things. It's like just doing a proper lunge right will yep. open up your hips and yeah. your groin. But it's not saying for you to do a full split. Like that's not what we're trying to do here. Um, but yes, I agree. Well, one of the things that I've noticed, and I think we got to start to wrap it up pretty soon, but uh, through jujitsu that I think people don't get maybe is like, so like I'll use flexibility for example. So I'm flexible in some ways. Like I got like a easy, my squat's great. I can just like sit and put my, my, my heels to my butt, no big deal. But like if you're really good at getting angles, you can give the illusion of flexibility. If you know where to put the weight, you can give the illusion of being heavier than you are. If you know how to pin a limb a certain way or where to grab something, you can give the illusion of being stronger. And it's not that you aren't necessarily flexible, strong, fast, whatever. Like speed's another great one. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to be fast, but uh, like if you take a simple move like a trap and little upa escape, what's really gonna make it fast is consolidating the movement down Right, so you're not going. Right. I'm going to trap the arm one hand at a time, trap a foot and bridge. All four of those things should be happening at the same time. Right. That comes from mindful practice, right? So well, it's from leverage, yeah. And that's what that's what jujitsu is. It's a self defense art. So it's for like you know, 120 pound Jenny, you know, 200 pound dude comes up to me on the street. One thing I'm not saying I'm gonna be able to fuck him up, but the idea is I want to get out. Yeah. Say he gets me on the ground, I need to get up in base, and I can get that man. I can get up in base as long as. I'm getting my arm in the right place because now I'm using my bones instead yeah. of trying to like muscle out I'm and sure. I can be there all day, get up and base and get out. Hey, and you don't, you don't need martial arts for people you have a physical advantage over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know, but that's the point of it. So when you get those proper angles and do say, yeah, man, you can be, you know, the nicest thing some dude say to me is like, oh, you feel so heavy. Yeah, like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Only time you can say that to a girl and she's not going to be pissed yeah. because I got my shoulder in right and I have like, you know, whatever it is, um, but that's, that's what it is. And that's what you, you, yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that that gets overlooked and it's like people are like, oh, you're flexible. And I'm like, uh, I'm flexible in this specific like movement, but like I have lots of things that you would consider flexibility. I'm not like if I go to do a butterfly stretch, my knees are nowhere close to the ground. Right. But that's not also the only, but yeah, I hate that. It's like the only yeah, reason yeah, yeah, you yeah. got out of this is because you're super flexible. Yeah, exactly. No, maybe you just weren't doing it right either. So uh, but lots of times <laughs> it can be that yeah. just your angle, your angle was good yeah. and somebody thinks you're flexible, but you're not. You're just like, no, my angle was good. Oh, you seem really fast. And you're like, no, actually when you do the same move, you're doing it in six steps, but I'm moving all four of my limbs at the same time. Right. And you just haven't put in enough work for that to be the case. Sure. But um, let's start to wrap it up a little bit. So uh, the last question I want to ask you, and I think this is something we're hopefully going to start asking people uh, as we have guests on is a book, movie, TV show, or album that had an influence on you and 
hopefully it has some sort of influence on martial arts, but if not, no big deal. Like, I know personally, Dan and I have talked a lot, like, obviously, you can see we are in my, my place, I have a massive comic book collection, yeah. and, you know, that's something that, that throughout my life, you know, sort of led me into martial arts a little bit, you know? I I'm never, not a huge TV <laughs> or movie person. I okay. never would have started karate if it wasn't for Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Got just, it. I'm just trying to be Dude, a super No, it's all good. <laughs> but, like, 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 I used to be a musician, and I noticed tons of things from being a musician that I'm like, oh, has a huge influence on my jujitsu and the style of my jujitsu, which is things that I never would have thought of. Like I was like, what, you, what do you, what did you play? I played bass and I played in this band that got to travel around the world playing music, but like, I just started playing the drum. That's why I asked. So, <laughs> yeah. so like, uh, I never really did competitive sports growing up, but music has this huge competitive thing that people don't know about because it's like, you get super competitive with like, Hey, only so many bands can play this show. Hey, we want to go to Europe during this time. Frame. Right. These other bands are going to be playing in Europe at the same time. We need to get to this venue. We need to play this festival. And it's like, people don't understand. Like, I'm like, so some of the, because I'm like, I never did anything competitive, but I have a drive to do competitive jiu-jitsu all the time. I'm like, let's go compete. But yeah, playing we in front sports of... sports with that, but it's in all yeah. aspects of our life, let's be real. You know what I mean? Like, I've I played shows driven. probably in mm-hmm. front of, like, 10,000 people before. So I'm like, oh, doing this tournament, I don't care that nobody's paying attention to me. This is no big deal. Like, I don't psych myself out where other people are like, oh, my God, somebody's going to be watching me compete. And then they get sick from it. But I'm like, oh, this is nothing. You know, so it's like everything is always connected, right? So uh, for me, though, I've noticed more and more, especially since we've been doing this podcast, how much music stuff has influenced my jiu-jitsu and it's made me go back and revisit a bunch of music stuff that I haven't in a long time so if there is something like that yeah yeah, that's so I mean music to me is very influential on what I mean yeah whether it's when I'm training and stuff and listening music when I'm teaching when I'm doing a lot of that stuff to pick one like album or one oh god it can be an artist anything such a difficult question well, um, you know, off the cuff is kind of the best. So something's obviously come to mind. So whatever it is, it is. You know, I think I think that's kind of the cool part of it. Is you know, it's like, I, you know what? I just I, all I do is I equate back to like '90s music that I was listening to yeah. when I I and I actually don't train when I do long runs or rides. Yeah. I don't train with any music. Yeah. Um, but I used to when I first started. I was like holding a CD player <laughs> somehow, like trying not to get it skip while I'm yeah. running and. Um, yeah, so I think of like '90s, uh, like pop rock. Like I loved Robbie Williams. I don't know, yeah. most people don't. He was like an English pop rock artist, and I listened to him a lot growing up. So I would probably like equate it to that maybe because I was listening when I first started training, when yeah. I first started doing competitive sports. So sure, let's call it Robbie Williams. I'm, I'm, there I'm, you I'm go. Into that, I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, strangely enough, I actually I hate training with music but i i do oh i don't yeah now i don't train I, with yeah, music I, can't, at all. I can't i can't do it do it but yeah. i so i don't run often but when i do run i do need music i'm not much of a runner it bores me but the other stuff i, I prefer not listening to music specifically jujitsu i i hate listening to music while doing jujitsu i just tune it out but running man i love running without like yeah. i like listening to my own breath and like focusing yeah, on breathing present, way yeah. in the moment yeah for sure yeah yeah without a doubt anything anything else to wrap it up uh, no there we go yeah thanks a lot for coming yeah, yeah thanks for nice. having me this was awesome yeah all right it's awesome all right keep training everybody yep <laughs>